Hello and welcome to another episode of the Godly Grand Podcast, where we train soldiers to be better Christians and Christians to be better soldiers. I am your host, John Cooper, and uh, we're continuing our series this morning on voting with an open Bible. Uh, so last week we covered the topic of abortion, as that seemingly is the one that the uh, that wants to be, you know, you go on ads, uh, you go on YouTube, you go on TV, I mean, that's what one of the parties is talking about is defending the right to kill your baby. And we have been talking about here and uh, we'll continue to talk about that. That is what abortion is. It's murder of children. And so um, we want to see that ended, obviously. And uh, so we advocate for the absolute abolition of abortion um, in the United States and all over the world. But this week, we're going to look at something that is equally talked about, um, maybe not so much in recent months because of the overturning of Roe versus Wade, but that is the environment and the the green push. Um, I want to stay from the outset. I am not against recycling by, by any means. Um, I think that recycling is good, but the over push to see this this green um, new world <laughs> uh, is what we're going to talk about. So, um, like I said, the treatment of the environment is something that has become popular over the past few years, and and has and is not only a talking point but is now a voting point. And how the government is supposed to regulate these uh, these environmental things is is where the party lines split. Uh, one party believes that the government should um, regulate carbon emissions not only in your vehicle, but as we heard Al Gore say years ago, um, the methane that is produced by cows, <laughs> cow farts. They want to regulate how many cows you can have, and I'm sure there are still places where they want to do this um, because of how much the cows are emitting into the atmosphere. And the obvious solution to all of these things is is taxes. You know, let's just raise the taxes and that'll save the environment is what it seems to be. Another party uh, does not want pollution. I don't think anyone wants uh, over pollution, but is accused of not taking the problem seriously enough. Um, this, they say, is in favor of big business and they do not care about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees as it is claimed their lack of concern could lead to a global destruction as we have never seen before. And so you listen to people like AOC and others who say that, uh, you know, there's this coming destruction in only 10 years away if we don't take away everyone's car. Uh, of course, she lives in New York City and she can walk everywhere. <laughs> um, but people who don't live there are just going to have to bow to the whims of our those who think they're smarter than us. And so... Well, we have been doing this series, and I just wrapped this up last week at our church, this whole entire series. We're not looking at the issues in the lens of CNN or Fox News. Um, what we want to know is, what does God's word speak about the care for the environment? <clears throat> and as we have been observing in scripture, who is responsible for this care? Um you know, when we look at the doctrine of sphere sovereignty, as we've talked about many times on here, there's there's a, a who God makes responsible for things. 
<clears throat> under his rule and kingship. And so the question is, is whose responsibility is the in government or excuse me, is the environment? Is it the civil government? Is it the church? Is it the family? Whose responsibility is this? And so we want to look at that. We want to look at what is man's responsibility to the environment. So who's in charge? What is man's responsibility? And what's God's ultimate plan for the environment around us? And I want to look at this first point. Uh, who is in control? And as we see all over scripture, man wants to promote himself where God is in control. We always want to usurp over God. We always want to usurp his authority. Um, God reigns. And this is the classic struggle since the garden. And as we surrender our own lives to God's control, we need to lead others to the same. That's, that, that's the important thing. But we, we, we think we can control the ozone. We think we can control all this stuff. But we can't control when a boo or when a boo, when a bird poops on us out the door. You know, you walk outside and the bird poops on your shoulder. And and that's, you know, then we think, man, we can control the entire ozone. We can control the entire world. No. God leaves himself responsible for nature, for all that's around us. God created everything that we see around us. And Genesis 1 and 2 is a beautiful display of God's majesty of creating the world. And God creates the world in six literal days. I want to say that again, six literal days. If you can't believe the beginning of the Bible, how do you believe the end? <laughs> I I had a recent debate with someone over this. And to believe that evolution created uh, us to where we are now and that God had six different phases, um, you have to believe that things died. Uh, that's the way evolution works. You had to believe things died before um, before Adam was made and then God didn't breathe breath into his nostrils, right? I mean, that's, why are we any different? Why, why are we made in his own image? We're not made in his own image. We evolved to his image. We became his image. Um, and to that denies, uh, sin and the penalty of sin, because if there was death before sin, then why, then the penalty of sin is not death. It's something else. And so everything would have been perfect before Adam came and sinned. Adam wouldn't have been made in the image of God. He would have made himself into the image of God, which is a has a different connotation. We see in the in the Tower of Babel that um people were trying to, you know, build this tower to to erect themselves. Um, look where we have come. Um, some believe that it was to avoid, you know, to say that we could avoid another flood. We're going to build a tower so high that if God wanted to flood the earth again, he wouldn't be able to kill us. Um, and I think that, you know, when you believe that man evolved into the image of God, that is a very self-serving, self-triumphant view. Um, I hold to six literal, uh, literal six day creation. And I believe that is the only position to hold if you're going to take the Bible and its holistic approach. I mean, it influences so much more than uh, it, it influences so much. 
to be, to if you don't believe that God created the earth in six literal days, um, there's a lot of things in the Bible you have to question then. And so it's more than just, you know, a Hebrew word <laughs> in the first two chapters of the Bible. Um, rather, it is a me- the message of the entire scriptures. Um, did Christ come to pay for the penalty of sin, which is death? And if you believe that, then you have to believe a six literal day creation. I, I-, I don't see a way around it. So if you do, maybe, you know, leave a comment or something. But um, when Job, so God created the entire world's majesty and in, in, in Job, Job's going through all this stuff, right? I mean, he's being beaten and battered by uh, by Satan. And this is all because Satan challenged God. Um, and God said, you know, have you considered my servant Job? And Job finally gets to a point in chapter 38 where he, you know, he's willing to, to question, why is this even happening to me, God? Like, what is going on? And I think, you know, we've all been there in a lot less situations than Job. And I'm just going to read the first 15 verses of Job 38, because this is how God audibly, audibly speaks to Job about this issue. So Job 38, 1 through 15, then Yahweh answered Job out of the world, out of a whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, <clears throat> make me known. I don't. I will ask you, and you make me known. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you know understanding. Who set its measurements, since you know? Or who stretched out the line on it? On what were the ba- its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted of joy? Or who enclosed the sea with doors doors when bursting forth and went out of the womb when I when I made a cloud its garment and dense gloom its swaddling band, and I placed boundaries on it and set bolts and doors, and I said, Thus far you shall come and but no further, and here shall you your proud waves stop. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? that it might seize the ends of the earth and the wicked would be shaken out of it. It is changed like the clay under the seal and they stand forth like clothing from the wicked. Their light is withheld and the arm raised high is broken. So we see three main things in this passage. Uh, The first thing we see is that God has created all this by himself. He didn't ask Job for advice, and that's what he's that's what he's trying to get across here. Like, where were you when I did all this? Or are you going to let me know how I did all this? So he doesn't ask for anyone for advice. He doesn't gather a bunch of scientists together to figure out how he should make the world. No, he created the world by the counsel of his own will. He spoke, and it was created. Second, we see that God sustains creation. This is also seen when Jesus is telling people on the Sermon on the Mount not to worry. And that God directs the birds to food and controls or and controls the lilies of the field. And I love verse 27 when Christ says, And who of you, being worried, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? Who who of you can actually add to your life? You know, and we you know, I'm a big proponent of exercise. I think everyone should work out. I don't do it as much as I used to when I was in the military, but um, I think everyone should get a workout in, break a sweat. 
And but and we say this will add to our lives, right? If we stay in shape, if we eat healthy, this will add to our lives. And yes, they will make our lives more prosperous. They will um, give us a better life and more enjoyment. Uh, we'll, we won't suffer from as many health problems, typically, if we're exercising. But we can't add to our lives. God knows when we're created and when we die. Every man is appointed a day to die and then the judgment. Worrying is not going to add a single cubit to our lifespan. And the third thing we learn from Job's encounter with God is that man has nothing to do with sustaining the earth. This is God's world. We just live in it. Two verses to show this, uh, then we'll move on from this. As first is Isaiah 14, 27. For Yahweh of hosts is counseled, and who can thwart it? And as for his outstretched hand, who can turn it back? And Proverbs 19, 21. Many thoughts are in a man's heart, but it is the counsel of Yahweh that will stand. Man thinks he is wiser than God. That if he controls certain aspects of the environment that God created and maintains, that he can control his own destiny. But the reality is, is God is in control of everything. He can drive all kinds of electric cars, but God's in control. You can, you can even pollute as much of the ocean as you want. God's in control. Right? So if God's in ultimate control, therefore, can we just pollute it? And destroy it. Can we just dump all kinds of toxins into the water and burn down all the trees? No, we can't. We are to be good stewards of what God has given us. Which brings us to the second point we talk about the environment, and that's man's responsibility. Everything we have been given by God, we are to be good stewards of. God entrusts us with his creation, and we are to take responsibility and take care of it. And this is true of the environment as well. We are to subdue the earth and live, and live out our image of God by creating new things. However, in this, we must be careful not to ruin or destroy creation for no reason. And one thing I want to add here is that, you know, when we look at subduing the earth, you know, we look at uh, creating new things, we look at inventing we look at using our imagination that god's given us creativity that god's given us as part of being in his image as part of being an image bearer if we think that we can somehow now just i don't know sit back and and not do that we need to regress so that way we don't destroy the earth we're not fulfilling what god has said and also the very people who say that this is what we need to do. They say, well, just give us power to take it away from people. And it's, it's, it's a power grab. It's a definite power grab. You know, you have the individual freedom to buy a truck, <laughs> right? And we're seeing with these electric cars that they're claiming um, work so well. And that, you know, Gavin Newsom comes out and says, well, by 2035, we're not going to have any more gas powered cars. A week later, he says, don't plug in your electric car because it'll it'll destroy the grid. I mean, where do we think this power comes from? Magic? It's plugged into a, a grid, which is you know used by coal in, in many places. We won't branch into nuclear energy. So 
the question remains, you know, are we really going to trust these people to control the entire environment when they can't even control themselves? <laughs> right? It's insane. But Deuteronomy 20, 19 through 20, and we've looked at Deuteronomy 20 on this podcast before. This is God's uh, law for war. Um, it says this, if you besiege a city for many days and make war against it in order to capture it, you shall not destroy its trees by swinging an axe against them. For you may eat from them and you shall not cut them down. For is the tree of the field, for is the tree of the field a man that you should besiege, that, that it should besiege you. Only trees which you know are not trees for food you shall destroy and cut down, that you may build siege works against it in the city, against the city that is making war with you until it falls. So, here we're talking about building siege work, right? Building these massive things to get over walls, to knock down walls. And he's saying here, you know, yeah, use this stuff for creation especially defense, use this stuff for war, you know, make buildings, you know, make, make cars, right? Make planes, but don't do it out of, um, I guess, trivial reason is a good way to say it. I remember in the army, we used to, uh, guys used to just take their knives and just poke at trees, <laughs> right? And just stab trees because they were bored. Um, and when we were, when I was in the Rakondo unit, we would track people. Um, we would look for not only rub on trees where a, a guy's machine gun would have rubbed against a tree, but was there a bunch of tree branches just broken because a bored soldier was walking through just breaking tree branches. And what we don't understand is that that actually gives a sign for whoever's tracking you to follow you. Um, so that just, but you're just destroying the environment for no reason. You know, this verse specifically is talking about destroying trees to starve out um, your enemy, destroy all the trees that make food, so that way your enemy can't eat, right? But we're not to destroy for destruction's sake. We may use the environment for uh, creating and living in this world, fighting wars, but we're not to just do this for our own pleasure. We're not to just cut down trees and stab trees and break trees and kill animals just for pure sport and pleasure. For eating, if we are, um, you know, hunt, hunt, eat animals, fish, eat animals, but don't just kill it for killing's sake. You know, don't just chop down a tree because you want to. If you got to chop down a tree because it's in the way your house is going to damage your home where your family lives, and yeah, cut it down. But if you're going to just cut it down because you don't like where it is, I don't, I don't see that as being a good steward of God's creation. Now, if you're going to use that wood to build something else and it serves dual purposes, okay. But to just cut it down for cut down sake, I don't, I don't think that that's a a good use of our creation. So drive your car, feed your cows. <laughs> God has the environment under control and will sustain it. You cannot thwart God's plan. Man thinks he can stop God's plan, but he can't. 
Don't dump toxins into the in the toxic wakes into the water. Like here where I live in Niagara Falls, we have Love Canal. We've seen that here. We need to be responsible stewards of what God has given us. But I can tell you with 100% certainty that the polar ice caps are not going to melt and flood the entire earth, killing us all. That will not happen. And how do I know that won't happen? Because when I drive to Niagara Falls where I live to look at the beautiful waterfall and I see the mist, and within that mist, there's almost 90% of the time, maybe even 100, there's a rainbow. And a rainbow reminds us of God's covenant with Noah that he'll never flood the earth again. We must take God at his word, follow his designs and his plans. So the polar ice caps are not going to melt and flood the entire earth, killing us all, because God said it won't happen. And if we cannot change God's plan for the world by our actions, we must ask an important question. What is God's plan for this world? At the end of the age, when Christ returns, what will happen to all that we see? This is an important question, because we must understand his plan for the world. So Second Peter 3, 1 to 13 says this. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles, knowing this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers have slept, fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Through the world at the time, uh, through the through which the world at the time was destroyed by del being deluged with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, being kept for the day of his judgment, of judgment, the destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some consider slowness, but is patient towards you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be found out. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy and, and godly conduct? Holy conduct and godliness, sorry. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of, the, of God, because of which the heavens burning burning will be destroyed and the elements will melt with intense heat but according to his promise we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells on the day of the lord when he returns god will destroy and scorch the earth or destroy or scorch the earth i personally believe that god will scorch the entire earth bringing it to redeeming I mean, I think bringing it to redemption, I think we look at God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I believe that Jesus Christ died for the, the physical earth as well. 
not just the souls. I mean, we he he is going to redeem the earth. That's that's what we see here, where it says, "But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat." That's God literally stripping the curse out of the elements, right? And that's going to, we look at when you split an atom, it's an atom bomb. And that's what's going to happen. This whole world will just scorch. And God will make the new heavens and the new earth. This world will be redeemed through the sacrifice of his son, the whole curse. You know, we, we sing in uh, the Christmas song, you know, far as the curse is found, right? It's going to just scorch the entire earth of the curse. It's We see the world as a reserve for fire. God has previously destroyed the earth with water, and he'll do it again with fire on the day of judgment. And just like then, the earth itself was not destroyed. I don't believe the earth will blow up uh, and God will just make a new one. I believe he's making a new, just like he makes us a new. We're still in the same body, but our souls are new. Um on this earth. The earth will be scorched to the bare elements which God made. And just because it's been 2,000 years since Christ first appeared does not mean the second coming will not happen. Rather, there's a comforting reason God has waited so long, and that's for his people to repent and turn to him. So though we are to be stewards of God's creation, and we are to care for it, we must remember that God's plan for the earth is to ultimately destroy it, ripping the curse from its atoms, like I said, to renew it. To bring it to redemption. So how are we to act? How are we to busy ourselves in this time? Are we to just become tree huggers and try to save the earth? Are we to uh, not care at all? Dump toxic waste? What are we to do? And it's right here in the verse. Since all these things are destroyed by this way, what sort of people ought you to be? in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. We're to be holy in conduct and godliness. We're also to call people to repentance because God will destroy the earth, and with the earth he will destroy the ungodly. When Noah, before the flood, he preached repentance for 120 years before a single raindrop fell before a single raindrop fell he was preaching repentance he was preaching that people would come to Christ repent that God would not destroy them that they would come on the earth and you know what no one repented no one but his family I think that is a big push for us that we need to be discipling our families. Noah didn't try to prevent God's judgment. Rather, he followed God's word to build a boat and preached and prayed that others may join him. So let's stop giving the government power to control every aspect of our lives. Let's stop hanging onto the trees. <laughs> But rather, instead of hugging trees, let's wrap our arms around others with the love of Christ, those hurting and suffering in this world, and let's point them to the only hope. And so I hope you've been enjoying this series. 
I hope it's been edifying to your faith. Uh, I know it was it was good for our church when we went through it. And uh, so if you want to follow us on Facebook, it's The Godly Grunts. You can like our Facebook page. I encourage you to do that. We just came out with a new logo. So if you want to go on Instagram or Facebook to see that, it's a pretty pretty neat logo. Um, Jesse from Carbe Fide uh, did a lot of the work in that. So I got to give him a lot of thanks. Um, like I said, on Instagram, it's at the godly grunts. You can email me at the godly grunt at gmail.com. Uh, we have a website. It's the godly grunts, one, one, six dot wixsite.com slash my dash site. Um, I got to edit that website to put our new logo and stuff on there, but, um, we'll, I'll be doing that. Uh, the fide fellowship is a podcasting network that we are a part of here. Um, it's a, like-minded brothers uh, who are putting out great content. And so I encourage you guys to go follow them, go to the Fide Fellowship Facebook or Instagram page, and you can get all the the other ones through there. Uh, there is a Godly Grunt support group. If you're here in Niagara Falls, New York, uh, or in Buffalo, we have a veteran support group that's centered on Christ. It's camaraderie in Christ. Um, we are... Uh, meeting at Niagara Community Church in Niagara Falls. Um, you can just Google it to find the address. And uh, we do that the first and third Monday of the month. So the next one will be next Monday at Niagara Community Church. And also, if you would like to support homeless veterans, uh, which we support, you can go to org. And you can donate to them. It's $25 a day to care for homeless vets in our Liberty Suite that we were a part of uh, getting put together. And so I encourage you to donate to that effort. And until next time, climb for his glory.